What a great day it is, hey? Yes, it is. Good morning, Evangel. Good morning. Um, this is the moment when if you have a smartphone or you have a tablet, you want to open your Evangel app. Uh, if you don't have that, you can go to the app store of whatever your device hooks up to and download Evangel Montreal. We have an app there. And all the announcements that Pastor Rob just gave you, as well as the notes for today and what we're going to look at are all on there so that you can follow along. So you want to do that. And uh, what we're going to do today, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, probably you have, but if you were to take a look around this morning at the congregation and the people that are gathered here, you might notice that we are one uh, diverse group of people. We have all shapes, all sizes, all ages, all colors, all heights, all everything. We, got it, we, we have all kinds of languages going on. In fact, we've said it before, and I just think it's such a, it's such a cool thought that the only reason all of us would ever be in the same room is because of Jesus. That's it. That's the only reason. There's nothing else. I guarantee you there is nothing else that every last one of us has in common. The only reason that each of us that's here would be here under the same roof in the same room is because of Jesus, which is really cool. But it means that there's a lot of differences among us, and there's a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different um, cultures going on, a lot of different church experiences and stuff going on. And so uh, two weeks ago, uh, Jeff and I and Pastor Rob and Jana, we had lunch with a family that's been coming out for a couple months. They came here from Nigeria, but first they went to France, and then they, uh, I think, went back to Nigeria. I don't know, but they're here now, and they've got jobs, and they said, we're staying. We're here in Montreal, and we're staying at Evangel because we really love this church. But then again, uh, a couple months ago, Jeff and I got to know a family who um, had been followers of Jesus for a long time. But you know, sometimes you go through times when, when it becomes maybe a little more, mm, a little more commonplace and you just need one of those sacred moments, you know, to refresh your faith and get you. And so that, that happened with them. They had just this, this sacred moment of going, I want my faith to matter more. And so they, they have been here at Evangel just seeing them, their lives being shaped by that. And they just this week picked up and, and went to a whole other nation and might be going temporarily. They might be staying because they feel that God is calling them now to go there and to carry Jesus there. It's amazing, the international impact that we have and the differences that are among us. Last Sunday, I had a young man walk up to me after the service, and I, I, I didn't know him. And he walked up to me, and he said, Pastor Patty, I just want you to know, I've been coming to this church, and he didn't say for how long, but he said, this is my last Sunday. And I said, oh, have we, have we offended you? No, 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 he said. I came from Korea, and I came in order to learn English. And somebody brought me to Evangel. Now, I don't know what his faith background was before. We didn't have time to get into it. But he said, somebody brought me to Evangel because it helped me to learn English. And now I've been here, and this church has shaped me, and, and the relationships have shaped me, and the teaching has shaped me. And I just wanted you to know, I'm going back to Korea now as a pastor in a church. Like, how, how cool is that, Right? And, and then I, um, one, when I was in Ukraine, we just have so many differences. When I was in Ukraine, I got an email from, from somebody who's been here a long time, but they just needed some clarification. Can you tell me how the, how the lead team nominations work? Can you tell me how that kind of thing goes? Somebody else said to me, how can I become an elder? Um, somebody phoned me last week, and they said, you know, I used to attend Evangel a long time ago, and now I'm back, and I, I was here when Pastor Fisher was here. And I believe Pastor Fisher was over 25 years ago, I think. And so we have 
some people that have been here forever. We have people that remember Daddy Baker in this church, the guy that actually planted the church. And then we have other people who, who we, we did a snapshot survey in April, as we try to do every year just to find out who we have. And we have some people that have been here less than two years, which means they think I'm the only pastor that's ever been at Evangel because I'm the only one they've known. That's crazy. Somebody asked me a few months ago if I was the founding pastor of this church. I said, well, it's 102 years old, so no. And then, you know, apparently I'm looking 102. I don't know. But I'm doing my best. You know, thank the Lord for makeup. But we are a diverse congregation. We have people from all different kinds of backgrounds. And, and we're also just in a very highly transient community. We are in the city of Montreal where people often move in and move out within five years. So there's a short amount of time. We have a high turnover in our congregation. And so, therefore, that's why we have some people that can tell me all the old stories because you've been here so long. And others, you just got here and you might not be here for long. But while you're here, this is home. But it's easy then for people to be here in the church, and whether it's because they've been here for a long time but things have changed, or because they're new, they might not really know how, how do things work at Evangel. They, every now and then it's good to do a refresher of this is who we are, this is how things work, this is how we do things at this church in this point of this church's history. And so I want to talk about that a little bit today, and somebody goes, well, I don't think that sounds very spiritual. Well, good for you. But scripture has all the way through these moments when communities of faith um, put systems and structures in place to help facilitate the mission and the ministry that God has called them to do. It's a very, it's a godly thing to do. It's a biblical thing to do. And it doesn't sound very spiritual. But for example, in Exodus chapter 18, we're not going to read it today, but in Exodus chapter 18, you can uh, you can read the story of, of Moses, and he's just brought in, brought in, that's not a word. He's just brought the Israelite people out of slavery in Egypt, and, and they're, they're moving out now, and they're kind of out there in the wilderness, and his father-in-law, Jethro, comes to visit him. And, and his father-in-law, tell, he's a great father-in-law, and so he says to Moses, you know, you're doing a great job, isn't it awesome, the amazing things that God has done, and he just is telling him all this, but then he watches how Moses gets up then at daybreak the next day, and he sits there, and, and, and he deals with all these people one at a time, you know, their complaints or their conflicts or whatever it is, their questions, things they're dealing with, right through till like midnight, and he does it every day over and over again, and Jethro goes, what dude, what are you doing? And Moses goes, well, you know, I'm the leader, so I got I to gotta meet with him. And Jethro goes, no, 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 no. Your job is to lead, and your job is to do the teaching. You need to put other leaders in place to be over, you know, groups of 10, groups of 50, groups of 100, so that other people can help carry the work. And so they put that system or that structure in place so that Moses wouldn't burn out and so that they could do what it was that they were called to do. You can see through scripture systems and structures being put in place in a community of faith to facilitate uh, getting the work done. Acts chapter 6, the, the new church when it was born, this is after Jesus' death and resurrection, and now there's little churches popping up everywhere, and, and there's this one in Jerusalem that's popping up, and, uh, and, and the apostles, the guys that were leading the whole thing, they're going, we can't do it all. 
We're, we're supposed to be doing the teaching. We're supposed to be setting things up. We're supposed to be starting new churches. But there's, there's widows and orphans over here who are hungry, and nobody's taking care of them. And we can't do both. Let's put some leaders in place. Let's set up a structure. And so they set up a program and a system to make sure that people that needed to be cared for were cared for. And they, and they put leaders over that system. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you look in there, you can see lists of, of what the Bible calls spiritual gifts, ways that each of us is gifted, something that we have to offer to the rest of the church, to the rest of the body of Christ. We each have different giftings, and one of those giftings is a gift of of leadership, or depending on how it's translated, the gift of of administrating or organizing or, or even governing, depends on how you translate it, and that is an important spiritual gift. It's a gift that God has given to the church. It's probably, really, it's one of my gifts. I love creating structures and systems to help facilitate getting the job done. I love to take a step back and look at a whole year's worth and look at the whole church and go, what is the giant vision? How do we get there? Where are we going? What are the steps we need to take? And be able to draw that out and to communicate it so that we can actually get the work done. Others of you have different gifts. Some of you have, have one gift, some of you have another gift, but everybody has something that God has given you that adds to the, to the body of Christ, and then our gifts all work together so that we can do what it is that we're supposed to do. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about just some of the how, how things work at Evangel, some of the systems, some of the structures, some of you know them, some of you think you know them, and you're going to find out you maybe don't entirely, and some of you are just going, wow, this is, this is really helpful. And so they are, I just want to emphasize, almost everything I'm going to say today, not a salvation issue, okay? This is not our statement of we do it right and everybody else does it wrong, This is our community standard. This is how our church works at this time in our history. It's the agreed upon standards and and ways that we do things as a community. So let me talk first about our our vision statement or our vision that we have out there. We, 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 We launched it about two and a half years ago. And we called it Inside Out Church. There are three values with that. Do good, love each other, reveal Jesus. If you're here for any length of time, you will hear us talk about this. Let me just give you the background for that. We looked around at the society that we were in. And Canadian society, decades ago, used to be a society that, for the most part, went to church. Most Canadians, several decades ago, got up on Sunday morning, put on their Sunday best, and they went to church. How many know our world has changed? Okay? So that, that's not the society that we live in anymore. Now, when you're in a society like that, then what you're trying to do at the church, if you're trying to attract people or you're trying to grow or whatever, then what you do is you, you, you get everybody to come in within the walls and you put on the best show in town, right? I'm saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But you, you put on whatever to draw the biggest crowd and you try to get people to come and, and people invite their friends and then the pastor preaches a message and the, and the people meet Jesus and that's it. Bob's your uncle and it, and it works. But now... Now, then you can get into a rut when you're in a system like that, where you just go, well, everything that's important that happens, happens within the walls. And people can come in inside as long as they don't disrupt anything, and our faith starts to get contained within the church building walls. That is not how church is supposed to be. And we don't have a society anymore that just gets up on Sunday morning and automatically goes to church. 
So we shifted, and we said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be an inside-out church, and we're going to have three values. And the first one is to do good. And, and where we get that from is part of the scripture is from Jeremiah 29, who's an Old Testament prophet, so a prophet before the time of Jesus' birth and death and resurrection. And the context that was happening in this time was the Israelite people were in exile. They weren't where they wanted to be. They were in Babylon, in a city where they didn't feel they fit in, in a city where they felt there was hostility towards them. They didn't belong, and it wasn't home. And they wanted to go home. They wanted to not be in exile anymore. They wanted to go home. And, and some false prophets, false teachers were telling them, oh, don't worry, you're going to go home soon. God's going to take you home. Don't even unpack your suitcase. Don't interact with anybody here. Don't do anything. Just, just huddle, and, and God's going to get you home. But Jeremiah was this true prophet of God, and he said, actually, they're lying to you. God says, you're not going to go home. And, and you're going to read this. You can read this chapter, and if you read the bigger part, you're going to see that Jeremiah says, God says that he's going to bring them home in 70 years. Just pause in this moment. Anyone thinking ahead to 70 years in your life and where you're going to be? Do the math. There you go. Okay, so this is basically God saying, you're here for life, the next generation I'm going to bring home, but this is where you're going to be, okay? And this is what um, God said to this group of people that was in this city in Babylon. Jeremiah 29, verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek or, or work for, you could translate it work for, work for the peace and prosperity of this city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, then you too will prosper. God's message to these people that were in this city where they didn't feel like they belonged and they weren't sure that they were wanted, God's message to them was, I brought you here. I placed you here, and you need to build a life here. Be part of the community here. Plant a garden. Eat the food that comes from that garden. Uh, buy a house. Be part of the economy. Have a job. Get your children married. Let your families grow up in this community. Be part of all that is happening. Do what is good in this community. You may have seen uh, this scripture before, but G Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We aren't called to all huddle together within the church walls. We're not called to be, you know, if, if we're salt and light and all we do as salt and light is all huddle within, then we're just a big pile of salt that's really bright. And that's weird. 
I don't know if you've talked to your doctor lately, but salt isn't supposed to be in a big pile and, and all in the same place. It's not healthy. It's not good for you to have all that much salt. Salt, if it's going to do its job and add flavor and preserve, is supposed to be spread out, right? Sprinkled a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit over here. Light, if you gather it all in one place, well, it's great. It's super, super bright in this one spot while all, everything else is still dark. Light only does its job if it goes into a dark place and pushes back the darkness. We are called to be salt and light. And Jesus said then that we should let others see the good that we do. Don't hide it. Let outsiders see the good that we do. Because if we do, then they would praise God because of it. People see Jesus when we do good. So we do good. At this church, we do good, and we do good out there. We're putting on a festival next week uh, that'll be free for everybody in the community. We, um, we support different student ministries, campus ministries like Red Frogs and some of the others that are there to just help give support to students that are coming from all over the world and dealing with the stresses of university life. We uh, have a community garden that will donate food to people that need it. We've helped with garbage pickup. We do prison ministry. We have uh, EFSL classes. We do all kinds of things where we say we're doing good and we're adding good to our community because it's one of the things that we value, okay? The second value that we have in this inside-out church, do good. The second one is love each other, and that's talking about the health of our relationships in our own congregation. We talk about this a lot here until some of you are going, enough, I love my neighbor, okay? But it's important to love each other. Jesus said in John chapter 17, he was praying He was talking to God, his father, and it was right before he went to the cross. This is what he said. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you. Jesus prayed for you. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. And may they also be in us so that the world will believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus' last prayer, the thing that was closest to his heart before he went to the cross, was that the same depth of love that existed between God the Son and God the Father would also exist among the followers of Jesus. And that if it did, and there was that depth of love, and there was that depth of unity, then the world would believe, and the world would know that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. That's huge. And then every now and then, we just define that, because it's easy for all of us to say love one another and not actually do it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, love is patient. Well, right there, some of us have already failed the test. (laughs) Love is kind. Ugh. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor or disrespect others. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. How many are going, oh, man, right? Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. That is what a church is supposed to look like. 
That is what a congregation, a group of Jesus followers are supposed to look like. That should be our reputation. And, and, and the idea is that if that is our reputation and that is who we are and that is how we treat each other, the world is going to see Jesus. So we do good out there. We love each other in here. And we reveal Jesus. It's not just words. It's not just the things that we say. Although we do preach Jesus and we do teach about the gospel message and we do teach scripture. But we add the actions and the attitudes that are part of that so that the world goes, wow, that's not just words. That's real. Inside out church. That's what we call it. So then in this inside out church, when you're looking at, well, how exactly does evangel work? You might have a question about governance, how the whole thing is run. Who's in charge? Who decides who's in charge? And there are different uh, governing principles in different churches and different denominations. Let me explain ours. So first of all, we are part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. That's our fellowship, our denomination, whatever you want to call it. We are a group of approximately 1,100 churches. We have approximately 235,000 people attending churches in Canada that are PAOC. And we have approximately 3,500 pastors and ministry leaders. And we're all connected across Canada. We have a clear statement of beliefs and guidelines that's going to be quite similar to or the same as most of your mainstream churches that are out there, uh, your evangelical churches, whatever. You're gonna, it's going to be the same basic beliefs. We have a district superintendent in Quebec who's over me. We have a general superintendent of the whole nation and of our international missions. Our constitution, we do have a constitution in this church. It is approved by the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, but... Our churches in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada are self-governing. So almost everything we do, we decide on our own as long as we stay within the guidelines and the, and the community standards of the PAOC. PAOC does not tell us you have to preach this. They don't tell us these are the songs you will sing. They don't appoint members to our board, none of that. That's all we are self-governing within that fellowship of churches. In addition to the basic core statement of beliefs that we have, uh, ours probably has a little bit more emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit. We really believe in the work of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. We believe in spiritual gifts like I talked about. We believe in miracles. We believe in and practice speaking in tongues. We believe that that's the language that God gives us of, of prayer and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We also believe strongly in the direction that Jesus gave just before he ascended into heaven called the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. That's a big one for us. We think it's really important to make disciples everywhere. So we have a very strong missions emphasis around the world as a fellowship. And we go, and sometimes we're, we're the first ones. It's the first time that, that the name of Jesus has been said in a new culture. Sometimes it's already existing there, and we come in and we say to the national leaders that are there, how can we help you? How can we support you? What can we do to help you uh, adapt the gospel message and help it to thrive in the culture that you are in? Some of the stuff that we do is around social justice, helping women and children, uh, helping with education, helping with health care, helping with um, natural disasters or crises around the world. And some of what we do in our missions is taking uh, through businesses and, and taking and practicing an ethical business or a missional business in some sort of perhaps isolated or impoverished community and making sure that the people there are paid a fair wage and are treated properly and all of And we do that as part of our witness of who Jesus is and who Christians are. 
And then PAOC, our history, is one of kind of, it's often described as a pragmatic spirituality, a very practical spirituality. So on one hand, we value a highly personal, highly relational relationship with God. Our spirituality is personal and is relational. And at the same time, we're very pragmatic. Historically, Pentecostals know how to get the job done. And when, it, when there's work to be done, we band together and we do it. That's, that's who we're part of as the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Now, within Evangel, ourselves, we have a voting membership. And we have, at this moment in Evangel, we have 211 voting members. Not everyone is a voting member. Not everyone chooses to be a voting member. And that's fine. You can be at Evangel your whole life if you want to and never become a voting member. If you do become a voting member, there's no special perks. You don't get your own parking spot. You don't, I know, right? You were hoping for that. You don't get a tithing discount. You don't, you don't get, you know, a room named after you or anything like that. You can serve in any area of the church without being a voting member except for our lead team, which is our board, or our elders, which is our ministry team. So voting members typically meet about once a year. We meet once a year. It's in September for our annual members meeting. It's a celebration and, a, re- and a, a review of everything that has happened. It's not a town hall meeting. It's not, we don't just open up microphones and say, okay, who's got a complaint? Let's bring it. We don't do that. If you got a complaint, you come and talk to me and we'll talk and we'll work it through. But there's an official agenda and we give all of the, of the stats of what's happened in the church. We talk about um, how many people have been baptized and, and what's happened with this and what's happening with our children's ministry and all of that kind of thing. We also bring a slate of lead team nominees to our voting members, and I'll explain that process in a moment, but we bring a a slate of names that is ratified, yes or no, by the voting members at that annual members meeting, and we also approve the annual financial report, which is done by an outside accounting agency. If, as a church, we say, well, we want to buy property, we want to make a big purchase like that, we can't do that without permission of the voting members. If we want to, uh, if, if as you did a couple of years ago, you need a new lead pastor, you needed one a couple of years ago, hopefully you won't need one again for a good long while. That's, that's my hope. But if you do need a new lead pastor, it's the voting members that vote on, on who that new pastor is. If we want to modify the Constitution, we need voting membership approval in order to do that. And there's all kinds of guidelines for members, and I'm not really going to get into them right now. But if you were ever interested, you could go to one of our membership classes that Pastor Pauline leads, and she will give you this book called I Am a Church Member. And it explains to you the basic principles, the basic guidelines of what it is that we're looking for from members and what it means. That it, that it means you're here to serve, you're here, you're committed, you're giving, you're attending, you're, you're in unity, you're not gossiping, all of those things. That's what it means to be a member. And if you want to be a member, you go to that class, which is a single class on one Sunday, and then after you've been attending here for about six months, and then if you want to, you can fill in a membership application. And then you will be interviewed, probably by Pastor Pauline. And then your, your application goes to the lead team, and the lead team approves it. And then once you're approved as a member, you renew your membership once every two years. And that way we make sure our membership list stays current. Make sense? 
Good. Okay. Let's keep going. Also, the way Evangel works, we have a lead team. For some of you, you would know that as a board. Uh, Let me just explain what our lead team is and isn't. Our lead team is not a group of men and women who say yes to everything the pastor wants and just rubber stamp it. Okay. Our lead team is also not a watchdog group that holds the pastor back or the church back and points out everything that's going wrong. Our lead team is not, uh, they don't have, we don't have members that are liaison for special ministries. We don't have one that represents youth and one that represents uh, worship. And our lead team does not hire staff. What our lead team does do is they deal with policies, the overall policies of the church. They deal with the overall financial picture of the church. They approve voting membership. They oversee and annually review uh, my salary And they appoint elders or the ministry team that care for the church family. The way it works here is at our annual meeting in September, like I said, we have a vote. And a slate of nominees is presented for election. So if you are a voting member now, you already know that for the last month or so and until July 15th, there's a flyer out in in Get Connected where you can take a look and see the openings that are coming up on the lead team. You can submit nominations through a ballot and our nominating committee looks at it and we, we weigh all of the, all of the, what are the needs, what are the, what are the things that aren't being covered, the things that aren't being filled, what kind of skills do we need? And they bring that to the lead team, the lead team approves it, and then we bring that list of names to the members at the annual members meeting and the, and the members vote yes or no on the whole slate and that's how we have our lead team. This year, uh, this is our lead team that we'll show you up on the screen in just a moment. We're missing one person, Nick Othieno. We just haven't gotten an up-to-date picture yet. He was appointed uh, a few months ago to fill a vacancy according to our constitution. Uh, there's also a change we just found out about this week. So Sancha Bani, who's in the middle there, who serves on our lead team, has just uh, she's let us know that she's actually having to relocate and she's moving. And so we have more of a vacancy than we thought we did, and that's fine. We'll keep working the process. All of these people meet together once a month. Uh, on the far right side there is Nalendri. She's our secretary. And right beside her is Susie Abuliangachi, who is our treasurer. And all of these roles just go. And when somebody is elected, they're elected to a three-year term. They're only allowed to do two three-year terms in a row before they have to step down and take a break so that nobody is on forever. Good? Okay. Let's keep going. So then after that, we have a ministry team, also known as as elders. But ministry team really describes very well what it is that they do. Our constitution says that they strengthen the care and the nurturing in the church family. They are less structured than our lead team. They don't have monthly meetings or anything like that. But rather, they are the ones that do the visitation of our seniors or if somebody's in hospital or somebody's being isolated and needs some kind of one-on-one just spiritual care. It's our ministry team, also known as elders, that do that. Uh, They're also the people that will pray with you at the front. Almost every Sunday, we invite you, if you would like to receive prayer, there's ministry team people here, sometimes halfway back. Those are who they are. They're appointed by the lead team. And right now, we're in the process of renewing um, that ministry team. And so if you know somebody on one hand who is isolated or ill or needs some care, You can call the church office and talk to Pastor Pauline, give her their name, and she will pass it on to our ministry team and say, hey, could somebody do a visit? Can somebody give them a phone call or whatever? On the other hand, if everybody phones in but nobody wants to serve, you see how that doesn't quite work, 
And we need more ministry team people. And so if you're a person that can help and say, I can do a visit once or twice a month, <coughs> or I can phone a few people a week and just check in and see how they're doing, or I can pray with people on Sundays, well, we really need you. And so if, you're, if that's you and you have the ability to do that, we would love to have you come and talk to Pastor Pauline and we see if we can get you on that team. And then we have, after all of that, our voting membership, our lead team, our ministry team. After that, we have our pastors and our staff, and they just do the everyday stuff of ministry. So there's me. I'm the lead pastor. I oversee all of it, and I'm the chair of the lead team as well. We have Pastor Rob, who gave the announcements today. He's our executive associate pastor. He's kind of the second in command. I don't know what we would do without him. And after that, we have a staff of nine other um, pastors and staff members who do the everyday work of the church. But a lot of what they do, and you can see them on the website as well, a lot of our staff and pastors, what they do, a great deal of it is administration and organization and leading, leading the way of where we're going, but less of the uh, nitty-gritty stuff. So, for example, our worship director does lead worship, but he doesn't lead worship every Sunday. We have a lot of worship leaders in this church, and we rotate them through, and we're really grateful for them. Our worship director is the one that, that recruits them, that helps to train them, that helps to lead the practices, that makes sure we have the songs that we're doing, and we're all in agreement on which songs we're doing, all of that kind of stuff. And so each of our staff members that are there usually are organizing and administering and scheduling and doing all the things that have to be done to make their areas work but they're doing it through you because each of you is being raised up as leaders and being part of the church. And so let me just talk just briefly about finances at Evangel. We've spent a lot of time on that this year, so I'm not going to go there hardcore. Uh, but here's the short form. Our finances are almost completely dependent on what you give on Sunday or through the week, period. Let me just repeat that. Our finances at this church are almost completely dependent on what you give on Sunday or through the week. We don't get government funding. We don't get funding from our denomination. We do bring in a little bit of income from rentals that we do of our facility and our space. We are just about at capacity for how much we can do that because we need to keep the space available for our main priority, which is our ministry. But almost everything is based on what is given on Sunday mornings or through the week. 10% of our general fund income that comes in, automatically we send it to our district office to support all that they do because they support all kinds of churches and it goes towards missions and all of that. And our annual budget is approved by our lead team. They're the ones that oversee the whole thing. They get monthly reports. Pastor Rob and I get weekly reports of our finances. And once a year, an outside accounting agency takes a look and does a thorough review of our books, and they present that annual financial report for our members at the annual members meeting. And we have all the checks and balances and all the regular financial standards in place. And if we didn't, we would lose our charitable status. So you can rest assured finances are, are very, they are handled with integrity and handled with accountability in this church. Everything else that happens at Evangel is you. It's you. Turn to the person beside you and go, it's you. And then turn to the person on the other side and go, oh, it's me. <laughs> 
Everything else that happens at Evangel, this is us. This is our church. It's not, there's Evangel and you, you are Evangel. You are this church. It would not exist without all of us together. And so we say all the time, welcome home. We say that often. We look at each other and we say, welcome home. And this is part of it. You are not, you are not a guest here unless it's literally your first Sunday or you literally are just here once and then you're flying back to the other side of the world or, and you'll never be here again. If you are here for more than one Sunday, you're home. Welcome home. You're not a guest. You belong. You are, you are, you are not a consumer and you're not a client of Evangel. That's not how that works. You know, deciding, well, I don't know if I like it or not. And the customer's always right and all that kind of thing. That's not how that works. This is, this is home. And at Evangel, we are family. And family comes together and we laugh together and some of us are weird and we like it that way. And somebody in the family washes the dishes and somebody in the family cuts the grass and family belongs and family invites others to belong. And family is what makes a a church home. Family works together to create a sense of home. And so we say to you, welcome home. And if you are here and you are home, but you have not figured out yet how, or you haven't figured out yet your place or where you belong or all of that kind of thing, how do I find my place at Evangel, then, then, then we can help you with that. You could take a membership class if you want and find out all the things that are involved in that. You can sign up and take our VIP orientation tour on a Sunday, which is going to give you in one day a brief overview of almost every single ministry in the church or outside of the church, and you can get a lot more information and go, oh, well, I think I'd like to land there. I think I can do this. I think I can help in this way. But if everybody finds their place, then this place is going to be home. It's how we work. It's one fantastic church. I say that often. Is it a perfect church? No. But it's a solid church. And this is one fantastic church. And we have these systems and we have these structures in place. And they don't seem very spiritual. But I'll tell you, they do keep us on track. And they do help us to make sure we don't just get pulled off in this direction or pulled off in that direction. Or maybe we should go up here. We go, no, this is who God has called us to be. This is who we know who we are. And here's how we're going to get there. And we're going to do it together as family, as a home, and, and accomplish the mission that God has called us to do. And some people would say, well, it sounds like your church is a well-oiled machine. It's not. Because our machine, a machine is not filled with grace a machine doesn't have any flexibility. A machine doesn't, doesn't look after people. A machine is not forgiving. And a church is about the people. It's about the people as we together come together and we serve Jesus and we're followers of Jesus. And so sometimes it's messy and that's okay. I like a messy church. People are messy. Life is messy sometimes. And so church is messy sometimes. But can I just tell you something? God is good. And this is one fantastic, sometimes messy church. Aren't you glad to be part of it? Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And you go, well, that was just, that was kind of informative. But here's what I want you to do. I I want you to just uh, bow your heads, hold your hands out. We do this often as just a symbol of openness to God. And I'm going to give you just a few seconds to go, God, 
Is there somewhere where I need to fit in? How do I find my place? Where do I belong in this church? How do I belong? How do I make this home? And just whisper that prayer to God and ask him to speak to you and just show you if there's any part or place or gift that you have that God is going, hey, why don't you add that into the mix? Just take a moment and whisper that prayer. And so, God, at this moment, as we bring this service to a close, it's such a practical thing, but most of our lives are practical things. And so each of us is here, and whether we're here for the first time or we're a guest or we're a member of the family or a voting member or whatever else, each of us has real lives. And we don't contain our faith to this space that is just here within these walls. So we're going to walk out of here, God, each of us, and we're going to ask you to help us to carry Jesus to the places where we go this week. God, would you let your anointing settle on every person here? Help us. Would you fill every person here with your Holy Spirit? Would you help us, God, to walk out of here doing that instruction that you said of going and making disciples, carrying Jesus, showing Jesus to the world. Would you help us, Lord, as we go to our work, as we go to our families, as we go to our neighborhoods and our, uh, our friends and all the different things that we do, school classes. Would you help us to carry Jesus well? And would you help us to do good out there? Would you help us to love each other in here? And would you help us, God, as we proclaim and as we do all of those things and we live out our faith, would you help us to reveal Jesus to a world that really, really needs to know him? Ask your blessing and your covering on every person here. Bring us back safely next week. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. If you want to receive prayer, there will be ministry team people here at the front happy to pray with you. Make sure you sign up for the Global Leadership Summit. The early bird rate ends on Tuesday. Next Sunday, we have a big festival after the service in Cabot Square. Make sure you come. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.